Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. It's good to be with you in these very boring days and nothing happening and so nice and quiet. So I hope everybody's reading uh, the World Jewish Review and the (laughs) Daily Alert every day and keeping up with everything that's going on. It's really important that people stay informed and not fall victim to a lot of the misreports and you know, the panic that is spreading so quickly. You know what's funny is usually when you say what you just said, how you just opened up, uh, when you've done that in the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years, it's usually a sarcastic comment. You know, nothing's going on and there's nothing to talk about. In this case, I said to you off the air, I feel <laughs> I feel a little bit like Sports Center, where, where I don't know what they're going to be talking about or doing now that every major league has uh, and the NCAA has canceled everything at this point. But we're going to try. We're going to try to uh, talk about the events of the week and try to update everybody in terms of what's happening, certainly in Israel and the Jewish world. It's really an important point. Unlike the sports world, where so much has been canceled, the fact is that there's so much going on of serious nature uh, uh, regarding Iran, regarding uh, in, in, in the Middle East and globally, aside from the virus, but nothing is getting much attention. And there will be those who will take advantage of this to create new facts and things that when this is over, people look back and say, when did all this happen? Right, 100%. And uh, we will discuss as many of those things as possible. But we will start, obviously, with the coronavirus. Uh, it, I don't know if it's fair to compare the two leaders, and certainly the two countries are so different. But let me ask you a general question. What do you think of the way that both President Trump and Prime Minister Netanyahu have handled things with the virus so far? Well, I would say that I think Israel got ahead of it again the scale in Israel, it's easier to to do things than when you have a country the size of the United States. Um, and there was a, clearly a lack of uh, preparedness everywhere for dealing with these kind of uh, pandemics. It's not the first time we've had it. And you see in Italy, uh, for example, how poor planning um, led to, to these terrible circumstances and the deaths that uh, followed. Yeah. Uh, look at, at, at Iran, which is probably the number three in, or in the world in cases, maybe number two, because we don't know. But we know from satellite pictures that were just taken, uh, pictures of mass graves that are being dug, that many of the leaders, including uh, Valiati, whom we've talked about many times, and who heads a hospital where they make the references, uh, uh, he has it, and, and there are Several people very close to Khamenei uh, with it, and now they're trying to protect him because, you know, he's old and uh, um, they failed to act when the situation in Qum, where you have Chinese firms, uh, major projects, at almost $3 billion high-speed rail link, and um, by the China Railway, Railway Engineering Company, and the uh, they are also refurbishing a nuclear power plant and... Uh, there are many Chinese religious students in Qum, which is the religious center, and there they refuse to take steps, including people licking the, the site, and um, they, they did not take the steps that they, they should have. And I cite it because it, 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 these are stories that are not getting out yet, but they will be, and they will be long-term consequences domestically in Iran, where the people 
are are taking action. And you know, we've talked about the unrest and uh, situation, and and uh, with Hezbollah leaders testing positive, uh, we don't know. And Nasrallah was already uh, quarantined, n- not because they believe he has it, but because they're trying to protect him from from uh, um, uh, from from getting it. So y- y- there are many situations ar- around the world, but uh, Iran is particularly serious, and all the borders were, were sealed. The number of deaths that some of the people inside Iran, some of the distant groups are reporting, is is astonishing. They even talked about releasing 70,000 political prisoners, which tells you how many may have, because these are only those who have less than five years left on their prison terms. And they are, um, because they can't handle them. So they're talking about giving them furloughs to be able to go home and then uh, we'll, I guess will be expected to come back. Uh, and th- at the same time, we're dealing with the um, with the attacks on, on, on Iran, uh, militias by the U.S., and almost no response from them because they are so preoccupied with dealing with the uh, the virus here in the United States. I think we're getting beginning to get a handle. I think um, New York State has been very aggressive in its approach to this. Uh, so is New Jersey. Uh, other parts of the country haven't yet been hit hard, and still the numbers are relatively small. And we have to. People should should keep cool and take the steps and the, the precautionary steps. Everything is closing down for those like me who go into the city every day and you see the diminution of traffic. We have yeah. friends who, who are in the businesses. We should think about them. And, you know, their businesses are down 80 percent and 70 percent. This this, again, long term implications. So we can't let this become a political football. We have to really think about the consequences of this, what lessons we learn, what lessons we should have learned. And and then, you know, blame can always be described later, but this is not the time for that. Malcolm, there are experts, and I ask you this question specifically because you're so familiar with the global scene. There are experts, and you know some of them are in our community, frankly, medical experts that are really predicting doom and gloom. I mean, I mean stuff, honestly, that I wouldn't even discuss on this show because of how negative it is in terms of projections. Um, and, and they could hear that news, obviously, in any other news source. Um, however, when you read that South Korea hit their plateau more than two weeks ago in terms of numbers, right. and when you and when you describe to us how China's been handling it, and and to their credit, again, they may have been late and made mistakes, but to their credit, they've now been so aggressive that it looks like they're stemming the tide. Let's put it that way. Doesn't that indicate to you that here in the U.S. with the way we are behaving and the way we've adjusted uh, and the uh, and, and the uh, the way we are now socializing with others or not socializing with others, etc., wouldn't that encourage someone like yourself who's observing this world scene to assume that in the U.S. we are going to actually stem the tide even quicker and get to a nor- more normal place even faster, and that that te- and that all those terrible predictions, I would think and hope really won't come true. So, first of all, we don't know if the Chinese are telling us the truth. They didn't tell the truth in the beginning, but they did take aggressive action, and they sealed off Wuhan for now, I don't know, 40, 50 days. Um, and, and it does seem to run its course in that period. Uh, I'm not an expert, and I, I do talk to a lot of experts about it because we're obviously very concerned about the implications for our community and for everyone else. Right. But the uh, but you're raising an important point that there does seem to be a period that when the appropriate precautionary steps are taken, and as I said, I think Israel's been very aggressive in doing it and can and has limited so far 
Baruch Hashem, the number of cases. Let's hope, God willing, that will be true in in the U.S. as well. Right. We were obviously not prepared, and and if our hospitals get overwhelmed, and if the you know getting the testing kits out is really critical, and we we were very late in that and and preparing, you know, because there is no vi- uh, no vaccine vaccine. Israel's working on them. America's working on it, but it would still take six months or more. I've spoken to the companies involved, uh, at least to two of them, and. Uh, they do not yet have vaccines, but even if they do, and, and it's rushed through by the FDA, it will still take months before. So it's the other steps that we take that are, are um, that are very important. But I agree that, that people should look and see that it can run its course. Uh, doesn't mean it's over, but it does mean that it's controllable and that you can diminish uh, the number of cases uh, from this rapid escalation. But I think it'll be a long time before the economy comes back, before the stock market, other things. You know, people's pensions are are being devastated. I've, I've you know, spoken to people who are who really uh, are very badly hurt by it, yep. and, uh, and many that that are not being discussed right now because we're dealing with the, the first phase of the crisis. But the aftermath will also be serious. No question about it. And uh, we could sit here all day, and I mean that literally discussing who worldwide is affected in terms of their employment, in terms mm-hmm. of the, the hourly, those who are paid hourly, et cetera. I mean, outside of maybe the food industry, when you when you saw the videos from yesterday, that may be the only recession-proof industry at this point. Uh, other, other than that, I would think that everybody's being affected in a very, very severe way, and some, of course, in a way that's going to change their lives drastically. With that in mind... Are these figures correct, that over 6,000 people work for El Al and 5,000 have been laid off? It, it is correct. And uh, just on the first part, even in the food or, or related industries, the um, uh, restaurants certainly are suffering greatly, and people don't go out to eat. They may order, but they don't right. uh, go out in the same numbers. But the, the um, remember how dependent so many of these companies are on material, right. but plastic plate stuff like that from China, it, they are starting to reship now. But you know, it takes a long time till you get everything in the pipeline and, and going. Um, so we have to also remember that, and it may lead to countries be trying to become much more self-dependent and not dependent on on foreign imports on vital things. Um, now, on the uh, the Alal situation is definitely true. The flights, well, if you, if you look at the flights in the United States, also. Um, you can go to Florida for, for under fifty bucks if, if you you know you look around for the tickets today. But the El uh, laid off almost all of its employees. The I have pictures from the, um, that a friend took at at the airport yesterday morning. There's literally no one there. Turkish Air, which used to have eight to up to eleven flights a day is now four or five flights a week, and United and El Al are flying together. Delta has stopped flying altogether, as have all the European, virtually all the European airlines. There's there's only, I think, flights through London now uh, to the United States, and the direct flight, and we don't know how long they'll be able to sustain it. So the government has to step in in order for El Al to survive it's going to cost the government up to a billion dollars, at least in, in subsidies right now. And then you have many other companies who similarly are going to be affected, but a national carrier has a lot of significance. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at nachomsegel.com.
on the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We're on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. So we get these messages and news uh, analysis out to the uh, entire world and uh, increase the uh, the reach of um, of our community during a time that people you know want to be with community. Uh, Malcolm, the you know I turn to you always for words of encouragement. <laughs> although after this <laughs> these last five minutes, some people might question that. <laughs> um, but when you when we have an experience like this, you know. My father, during some of his synagogue appeals, many times would start with the words, we are open 365 days a year. And we as kids would be sitting there like, wait a second, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, literally every single day, vacation and holidays and legal holiday. And now, of course, we see something unprecedented in our community where there are synagogues that are closed and closed on Shabbat, which is unbelievable. Can can you... Give us any words of encouragement when so many people are going to be isolated this coming Shabbos. Yes, I think that, uh, you know, this will blow over. This is a short-term necessary step, and I think it's a courageous step for for Ramanim to take this decision. There are some who disagree with it and some who who agree with it, but I see that more and more are are taking uh, steps. There are some that are dominating outside. There are some that are... Uh, limiting the number of uh, of uh, times that they dominate get together, so and and then there will be small gatherings, I guess, of minyanim of ten people, to to try and uh, compensate. But look, there, there are emergency steps that are necessary, and I think for most people, it won't be uh, that extended. For for now, this is necessary. If it goes a couple of weeks, people can can survive it. That you know. Um, there are ways. There's plenty of learning you can do. There are things that people can do to compensate. I feel bad for those who had weddings and other things planned. Um, the, the, there are people who are postulating that the wedding should go ahead, even if just with immediate family or minion. And the same with the, with funerals. Uh, you know, it's an emergency time, and you take these steps because you're saving life, and it's a positive thing that people can understand that you can do something that you're not all just uh, sitting here as sitting ducks waiting to be attacked by this virus. And, and it tells you how far our, our religion goes to protect people and to value life. So this is a positive value, not a negative value. And now in this, in this, you know, in these times, and I said this to one of my kids yesterday, uh, we're, we're in a period of time of Jewish history or history in general where we have what is necessary to fight off these health hazards. You know, if, if we have the necessary ammunition, so to speak, to do so, let's take advantage and do it. They didn't have this a thousand years ago, and there'd be plagues that, you know, in history that would, would take, would in fact take millions of people. Uh, but we do see that it's very disturbing. And I, I know it's a negative, not a positive. Uh, there are positive things that we can talk about, I hope, in a minute, but the uh as as has happened in the past with plagues that set the world the, the jews are being scapegoated we see a rise in anti-semitism and specifically related to blaming uh, jews for for um this um outbreak even though clearly it was it was in china and you see that israel and in the and in the us it was the state of washington where it started and state of Washington, and but because of the hype here about an individual, or because of the naming of Jewish institutions associated with it, uh, we know of a public school where they they were, kids were talking about the Jew flu, and Ooh. we know of many internet 
um, anti-Semitic incitement, uh, incidents of incitement, and of course, false information that is that is being spread. But you know, this is a very fertile ground right now for it, and um, and the you know the high profile of the Jewish community in this or individuals from it, uh, you know, fed it. But it, you know, these guys don't need excuses. They they are there doing it all the time. Now they just had a new venue, a new vehicle to spread their messages of hate. No question about it. Very important point. In Israel, by the way, they've closed the schools. They'll be closed until after Pesach. Uh, Families are going through very challenging situations, and I'm sure you agree, speaking of positive, that whatever feeling, whether it's us or anybody else, whatever feeling of community, brotherhood, sisterhood, social networking, we can give people, uh, you know, in whatever fashion possible, whether it's through FaceTime or or the uh, online courses that now it seems every student in our community is uh, is uh, going to be involved with, or you know listening into us and just you know feeling part of this whole thing, knowing one is not alone. Uh, there's I, something else they can do. They should think of the Met Council on Jewish Poverty. They should think of all the stakot that serve the poor in Israel. Coming to Pesach, it's a right. difficult time anyway, but especially now, families have been out of work. They don't have an income. There will be there will be food challenged. I have no doubt that this is going to be very serious. I know governments are trying to help, but uh, we should step up, not decrease our charitable activities. No question about it. All right, there was an election in Israel recently, two Mondays ago. Um, is there going to be an emergency unity government? Is the is the coronavirus going to be the excuse for the president to insist or for the parties involved to finally negotiate and just? simply form a unity government at this point? Uh, except for the word simply, uh, <laughs> I think, yes, that there is a strong pressure. The problem is it's never simple, and you have a lot of forces at play um, and, and insist, still insisting on certain demands and, and uh, requirements for joining a unity government. But the, the, um, the demand of the people is certainly there right now. I think that they will hold to account those, hopefully, uh, who, who sabotage the efforts to for a sound uh, body uh, government that doesn't need to rely on, let's say, the Arabs or others that, that uh, where there is opposition to it, so that they can move quickly to focus their attention on uh, the crisis at hand. The problem is, that how long will this last? If the crisis is over, does it mean that the unity government falls apart? Right. Do they think they can set up a system that would give them a year, two years. Most people don't think it'll last more than a year because it'll be artificially constructed. But the but the problems are both within Likud, within the blue and white, let alone between them. You saw the the individuals who refused to go along with the Gantz's initial plan, and the um, um, in some in, in Likud who who are talking about change. So there's, you know, it's a time of unrest within the political system. It, this is um, it, it, hopefully cooler minds will prevail but going, and understand that the moment has to be seized. But going back to your first comment about this, I mean, in reality, it, it, no one's really going to hold anybody accountable for holding up the formation of a strong government, right? I mean, who's going to hold them accountable? Maybe, maybe the electorate. Don't let the people. I the electorate next time around. With with this system, I hear it from everybody. There are people who are resigned to the fact that they'll go to a fourth uh, election, wow. which would be unprecedented and unheard of and uh, ridiculous. I think that the um, but that at some point people are either going to demand to change the system, 
or they, they, they're going to demand that these leaders step aside and let those who can form a government form one. There, there are a lot of options that, that are available, but certainly at a time of, of such challenge, it, it would be beneficial to at least have a government for, for now. Yeah, that I understand. Um, and just to review, there's no way that Guns is going to be able to form a government because there's going to be at least one or two or more individuals who will refuse to be in a government with the Arab list. And on the other side, we thought that Netanyahu would be able to get one or two members of the Knesset uh, from other parties to join with the right. Now that he needs three, that scenario is unlikely as well. Would that be the way to put it? So far, we don't see where the three would come from, and uh, but there are a number of uh, people, including uh, David Levy's daughter and uh, and Dell, et cetera, who are not going to vote for right. the the proposal. So neither of them has an e- easy road to, to the majority. They could form a minority government, and there was talk of doing that, and, and also because uh, the Arab parties wouldn't be in the government. They would just support him in the Knesset, and I don't know that Lieberman would be actually part of the government or would support him from the Knesset also. So that's not a stable uh, setup that right now would be advisable, I think. How has, we're always concerned about security of Israel and Jews around the world, how has coronavirus affected the IDF? Well, because they're taking the necessary steps, but they are operating. They continue to take action in Syria, as you saw, against the, the new Iranian buildup. And, and um, the United States also hit Iran-backed militias who attacked American soldiers in Iraq. Um, so they are uh, still acting, and, and right now Israel is dealing with a couple fronts. One is the International Criminal Court, which has also now brought charges against the United States or proposing war crimes charges against American soldiers for Afghanistan, just as they are. Uh, they, they want to bring charges against um, Israel. The United States and Israel are cooperating in, in this regard. Um, so the IDF, many soldiers have been concerned about it because it affects their travel, affects their right. you know, their standing. Um, God willing, that will be you know will be taken care of. But the uh, overall, the IDF is continuing to function and you know doing its job and playing a role within this society, trying to help uh, where they uh, where it is needed. So if we, as average people, not yourself, who's always you know involved in the scene, so to speak, but if if average people are always concerned about the Israel. Iran situation, uh, you you would say Israel is no more vulnerable, thank God, than in you know than in regular times, so to speak. And because of what's happening now in Iran, they likely are more vulnerable. They likely would 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 hesitate to take any action against anybody because of the health concerns in that country. Well, Iran. I mean, I'm not sure how much they care about the the people. The, it's the domestic pressure. It's the dissent that worries them, and the threat against the the regime, which has been building up all along, is is um, being manifest now in much greater uh, ways because of the domestic situation, because of the high number of deaths, high number, and uh, and of course, uh, obviously, the high number of cases that that uh, that have been reported. So there, uh, yeah, Iran is still a major focal point. Israel can't, you know, turn away from its uh, external uh, demands the, from Syria, from Lebanon. From they're very worried about uh, escalation of activities that Iran could seek uh, diversion from its uh, current problems. And uh, a senior commander was killed in Syria, uh, which Iran was martyred. That was south of uh, Damascus. He was supposedly assassinated. The United States. Uh, raid and 
the question is what, what what will Iran what will Russia do? And we've seen all sorts of activities. The, the Pidge delegation, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, went to Russia this week, and um, did we see a closer relationship there? We're not clear yet what it what it means, but the Hamas, which is trying to still get a ceasefire right now, and because Gaza is very vulnerable to tragedy or tra- tragic consequences if uh, the um, from the virus, Lepage is, is sabotaging it clearly at the instruction of its patron Iran. Uh, but now this this uh, new outreach, and you know, each of the countries there are are really specific uh, developments uh, that. Uh, obviously are not getting the the attention that they need but are are going to be with us when uh when this is all over one of the interesting things though in this regard is that the United States in the state department report um it doesn't refer anymore to the Arabs living in Jerusalem as Palestinians. They're called non-Israeli residents who live in Jerusalem. Mm. And they're saying that you can't have peace built on falsehoods, that there's no Palestinian state, and so they're not Palestinian citizens. They don't want to live under the PA. They want to live in Israel. And um, uh, question why that why that is the case. Israel sent in, by the way, 20 tons of disinfectant to the West Bank. Uh, Beit Lechem is, is, has been uh, quarantined as a whole because of the cases that have uh, taken place there. Unbelievable. Uh, is Putin going to be successful in his attempt to be president for life? Well, he passed it, and uh, there's not much opposition uh, to him. He's got bigger problems in terms of that, and that is that the economy of of Russia is dependent on oil. With the current battle between Saudi Arabia and Russia, uh, Russia is uh, needs a certain price of oil to to produce. Saudi Arabia can produce it cheaper, but the quantities. You know, Russia is the biggest exporter, so they're both stepping up production supposedly. uh, But there's a a limit to how much they can do that, and and you know the Russian uh, economy is so dependent on the on the oil and the ex the sale of oil and export of oil, with the demand dropping so rapidly and the price dropping mm-hmm. even faster, it's uh, it's it, businesses, especially like fracking in the United States, others are all going to be impacted, but Russia will will have take a major blow from it. Uh, the Turkey Syria Russia situation. Where is that at right now? Right now, there's an uneasy, uh, let's say, a standoff. Uh, I'm not sure. I wouldn't call it an agreement, but they they have both stepped back from the brink. Um, but and then because of the demands, et cetera, I think people don't want uh, right now to have to focus on that. But the, the tensions are still there. And it's a three-way tension. It's tension between Russia, Iran, and Turkey, each one against the other. Uh, Ir- Turkey, as you know, is is releasing some um, of the people, the, the refugees who, are, who came from Syria, or forcing them across the borders. Uh, they did with Greece. Right now, that seems also to have... Uh, uh, have stopped temporarily, at least. So the the tensions between them remain. There are still incidents, as I, I mentioned, some of them right. uh, between different uh, parties, and the, the small scale attacks are are resuming. Uh, and finally, I can't believe I forgot to ask you about this last week. Um, the the Taliban treaty with the United States. What's your impression of that? Let, let's see if it holds. Let's see if they can really make it work. Would you rather have it not happened? 
I'm always for anything that can reduce the number of casualties of American troops and others. I think it's unrealistic to think that they won't take. We already see them taking advantage of it. And um, I, I hope that the United States will be you know, wise to in the way it's implemented. Uh, it, again, not a panacea. It's not a cure for the problems in Afghanistan. I'm not sure there are any cures there. But the, um, it's very important that um, we be wary. We know in the past that the terrorists, they take advantage of any of these circumstances. Iran, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, all of their uh, terrorist uh, uh, you know, affiliates, they take advantage of situations like this, and, and especially with people focused on other things that they will will look at. By the way, one other piece of good news: so people that that they're, Israel is advancing the plans in regarding E1 for a bypass road for for Palestinians, which they see as the first step. But construction freeze is ending in the Jerusalem area, and hopefully we'll see in Givat Hamatos and other places uh, construction uh, resuming. And E1, which is a very important link between Mala Dumim and Yerushalayim, and every the, all the Israeli governments since I think Rabin supported the plan, but nobody acted on it. Now there may be, because administration uh, support um, will make it possible for for that to be resumed, which is very critical to breaking the isolation, the encirclement of Jerusalem uh, by Palestinian uh, villages and, and the presence. So this is... Um, Again, a very important um, step, and, and the people should also look at the situation in Lebanon, where you have an economic collapse. They defaulted for the first time on bonds over a billion dollars that was due on Monday. It's the first sovereign default, whether Hezbollah will take advantage of it and to further extend their control. Um, this is a, a, obviously um, you know, a, a very serious issue for, for uh, this, given the conditions along the Lebanese border and the aggressiveness of Hezbollah over time. Uh, finally, Malcolm, the, the figure that's been bandied about regarding the airline industry in the United States, depending, of course, on how long this is going to last, is $100 billion, which is unfathomable, but we, we see why, because we see what's going on, how it's going to be possible to get to that point. Have you seen any estimate based on any length of time about how the Israeli tourism industry is going to suffer through all this? They're suffering terribly. The question is, will Israelis fill the hotels? But the hotels, like hotels here in the United States, are empty. A lot of the Pesach programs have been closed. Many more probably will be, uh, if if not because of the virus, but because of the economic, you know, they don't have enough people. They don't have the critical mass at this point. And, you know, when it comes time to pay the bills, which is usually a month before, right after Purim, that uh, people will uh, reconsider uh, what they're doing. And by the way, when we look at all the plagues that are besetting us in Iran, there's a huge problem. And, and in parts of Jordan, of locusts who are devouring huge amounts of food at a time when uh, Iran is stretched anyway with food production and, and food security, that the these locusts are, are uh, huge swarms. They usually come in, in like one kilometer long swarms. Now they're 10 kilometers long and they and they just devour everything, and pesticides and others are things are not uh, sufficient in uh, countering it. So if Iran was a better friend, Israel and others could have helped them mm. in this uh, crisis. So both in Iran and everywhere else around the world, we've learned this week again that uh, we know who's in charge. I think everybody ought to go step back and take take that message uh, to heart and, and uh, remember that this is... Um, 
it's a uh, that everything is not in our hands, but it's all in God's hands now. Yeah, no question about it. All right, Malcolm, we'll speak. Please, God, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You too. Malcolm well. Online is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays, seven forty a.m. Eastern Time here with the weekly update at JM in the AM.